coverage. This is the PFT PM podcast. And now your host, Mike Florio. Monday edition of PFT PM. The 20 week weekly grind is over for me. Not that the rest of the year grind doesn't continue, but no more travels on the weekends. No more trips up on Saturday. No more trips home on Monday. I've got every Monday free where I'll be able to do the PFT PM podcast. We have the Super Bowl trip coming up, but that's a different beast altogether. We'll go to the scouting combine in late February, early March. We'll go to the league meetings in March. But that every week, gone on Saturday, back on Monday. And again, I love what I do, but it starts to wear you out after a while physically and mentally and at times emotionally where it never ends, it never ends, it never ends. And now it's ended and I'm rejuvenated. I'm ready. I want to get right back into it. And there are going to be plenty of PFTPM podcasts in the offseason Although the offseason isn't fully here yet, for 28 teams it is, for four teams it isn't, and we'll get you ready for the conference championship round, and then we'll spend two weeks getting ready for the Super Bowl, and then boom, it goes to the scouting combine, then free agency, then the draft, and it's all going to fly by as it always seems to do. Purpose of today's PFTPM, no guests today. We've got three lined up for tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a very, very busy day as it relates to guests on the PFTPM podcast. Today is just me talking about whatever I feel like talking about, and I'm just going to scroll through the news, catch up on the things that have come up since PFT Live went off the air at 9 a.m. Eastern on Monday. And the first thing that I'm looking at, it was posted at PFT by Orin Shereen Williams about 20 minutes ago as of this taping. Carson Wentz claiming he doesn't have a long-term issue with his back, that his back is okay, that even though his season was wiped out from the middle of December onward for the second straight year for a different injury, that this back problem, the compression fracture in the vertebrae, is not something that will be a long-term issue. And he tries to brush off the idea that he's got durability problems, that he's injury-prone. He said, I realize that's other people's opinions on things. Well, it's not opinion, it's fact. When you get injured on a regular basis, you become injury prone. And the reason he's injury prone is because he won't adjust his playing style to the reality that when you are playing at the NFL level, no matter how big you are, you can get hurt. You will get hurt. If you're embracing contact, if you're not protecting yourself, if you're not sliding when you need to slide, if you're not getting out of bounds when you have a chance to get out of bounds, if you're going to decide at the sideline to cut back inside and throw a shoulder at a defender like Jimmy Garoppolo did, you're going to potentially tear your ACL. There's all sorts of ways you can get injured. And he plays in a way that makes him prone to injury. And until he changes that, then it's going to be an issue. It's going to be a reality. And I know that certain amounts of injuries are avoidable, unavoidable, but the key is to avoid the avoidable injuries. That sounds redundant. It's because it is. Avoid the avoidable injuries. That's what great quarterbacks need to do because you need to be available for your quarterback, for your team rather, in December and in January. And that's why I continue to believe that the Philadelphia Eagles need to have the conversation It should not be an automatic no-brainer. We are picking Carson Wentz over Nick Foles. They should sit down. Doug Peterson, the coach. Howie Roseman, the GM, as a practical matter. Jeffrey Lurie, the owner. And have a conversation. Nobody else in the room. Play it out. Okay? Here's how it goes if we choose Wentz. Here's how it goes if we choose Foles. And there's risk either way. And there's a chance you're going to make the wrong decision. They'll say that having two great quarterbacks is a good problem to have. It's not. Because there's a chance at some point when you pick a horse, you're going to pick the wrong horse. So that's the challenge the Eagles face. And I don't like the idea that when this ping pong game ultimately unfolds, where the Eagles will exercise a $20 million option for Foles next year, and Foles will exercise his ability to buy out of next year for $2 million. And then the Eagles will likely use the franchise tag, or I don't know, I've seen reports they'll use the franchise tag. Well, that's not just something you do casually or nonchalantly. That's a $25 million one-year commitment fully guaranteed when he accepts it. And why wouldn't he accept it? It's $25 million. Then you try to trade him out from under a $25 million contract for one year. Who's going to give you anything of value for that? Especially without a long-term commitment from Foles. 
And what kind of long-term commitment does Foles want when he knows, hey, I got $25 million this year, and I'll be a free agent next year unless you want to give me a 20% raise over $25 million, which works out to another $5 million. It's $30 million. He's looking at $55 million over two years under the franchise tag. So why would he even do a long-term deal? He's going to have a lot of power here if they try to play this franchise tag game with him. And he's been, I think, too passive in his dealings with the Eagles. I remember last year after winning the Super Bowl, he did the talk show circuit with Ellen DeGeneres, with Jimmy Kimmel, and they both asked him pointed questions about his future in kind of a, you know, funny talk show way, and he skated around them in both cases. I think it was Jimmy Kimmel that said, you can't go back to being a backup after this. Well, you know, blah, 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 no answer, no answer, no answer, but you get the idea that, yeah, he would have liked to have had a chance to move on in 2018, but the Eagles decided to squat on him. And if they decide to play this game where they squat on him next year, he can say, you know what? I'm, I'm taking the $25 million for one year. Next year, I'll be a free agent unless somebody wants to give me $30 million by rule. And at some point, I'm going to be on the market. And at some point, I'm going to go where I want to go. And at some point, I'm going to be paid what the market will bear. And if Kirk Cousins is worth $28 million per year on a three-year deal, what is a guy who is a Super Bowl MVP, who has proven he has the ability to stand in there and make big throws and get blown up and not get injured and keep going and keep going and keep going. What is he worth? And what, he'll be, let's see how old he is. I don't think he's even 30 yet. If he's if he's 30, he's just 30 because he was drafted in 2012 by the Eagles. Let's see here. This print is getting smaller or my eyes are getting worse. Foles, I'm looking at the record and fact book. Foles, 120 89. He's not even 30 yet. He turns 30 next week. He's got plenty more years left if he wants to play that long. And he's got plenty more opportunities to get paid. He was drafted the same year as Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, Andrew Luck, RG3, Kirk Cousins. And I think he deserves a shot at the open market now. And if he doesn't, and I need to write this at PFT, and I really need to start saying this more loudly. He needs to start pushing back because the Eagles have taken full advantage of their contractual rights when it comes to Foles. He needs to start taking advantage of his situation. This is like a mini Kirk Cousins where you say, sorry, I'm, uh, hey, I know you want to play this game where you tag me and trade me, but whoever trades for me, you need to understand, I'm just going to go year to year under the franchise tag. I'm not trading in $25 million unless you give me $55 million fully guaranteed over the first two years. I'm not doing it. Why would I? Why would I bother? I'll just take the $25 million and I'll become a free agent next year. And then whatever you gave up to get me, you're going to lose because I'm walking away. Although there would be compensatory draft pick consideration on the back end. Adam Gase had his introductory press conference today as the new head coach of the New York Jets. After years of defensive coaches, the Jets go with an offensive coach. And Gase is happy to be working with Sam Darnold early in his career. That means that Gase can develop him the way Gase sees fit. He's not going to have to undo any damage that other coaches may do. And Gase is going to be great with Darnold. And I know there's a lot of skepticism about Gase. And and I guess I get it a little bit. I mean, he took the Dolphins to the playoffs his first year. 2017 was just a weird stew of calamity and adversity. This year, I don't know. I don't know what happened. They started 3-0. and but don't act like Gase can't coach. And don't write him off because, oh, he worked with Peyton Manning and Manning ran everything. Well, Manning still wants someone who can keep up with him. He's not going to tolerate somebody that can't get it done. Gase got it done. Whether it was Tim Tebow, Peyton Manning, Jay Cutler, Ryan Tannehill, I think Gase got the most out of them, which tells me he's going to get the most out of Sam Darnold. And based upon what we saw out of Sam Darnold this year, I think that means a lot is coming for Darnold and the Jets. And those teams are lining up for the post-Tom Brady AFC East. And maybe the Jets will be the team that is in position to take over. Remember, Bill Belichick got fired by the Browns before he became the guy that he is with the Patriots. And I'm not saying Gase is going to be that, but let's just not write him off simply because he got fired by the Dolphins. Antonio Brown really badly wants to play for the 49ers, according to Jerry Rice. I don't know how Jerry Rice knows that, but he said he spoke with 
Antonio Brown. So I don't know that Jerry Rice is authorized to say that. Maybe this is the way Antonio Brown is getting his message out. I, I know that Brown is refusing to be a passive participant in whatever the Pittsburgh Steelers choose to do with him. And I think we have to take into account the very strong possibility that Antonio Brown doesn't want to be in Pittsburgh. Wherever it is that he may ultimately be or wherever it is that may happen or whatever the Steelers choose to do, we have to take into account the possibility that Brown doesn't want to be in Pittsburgh. And if they don't trade him, what will he do to try to get out of town? And does this become Terrell Owens in 2005? Because I think it could. It could become very interesting. If, if Brown wants out and the Steelers think that they're not going to accommodate him, and based upon what Art Rooney said last week, I think what the Steelers are trying to set up is an auction. And they're going to take the highest bid with no reserve. I don't think there's going to be an offer that they ultimately reject. If the best offer from whoever's interested is a third round pick, I think they take the third round pick and they run because I don't think they want to have another year undermined by the chronic distractions that guys like Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers mishandling of Le'Veon Bell and also Antonio Brown have created. I just don't think they want that again. And they realize it's holding them back from being as good as they can be. So Brown now remember, it's March 17. That's the deadline. That's when he has two and a half million that comes due under his contract. It's three years, just under 39 million over the next three seasons, three years. That would, that would tend to prove three years, next three seasons. But the bottom line is this. He's affordable. If you're a team that is looking for a short-term fix, if you're willing to mortgage a little chunk of the future to have a better offense now with one of the best receivers in the game, And if you believe he's going to be a guy that you can indeed work with, that you can control, that you can manage. And every coach out there thinks, I can manage this guy. Oh, Mike Tomlin wasn't able to manage him. I can manage him. Doesn't matter if if other coaches have failed. I can succeed. And there will be coaches out there who think they can get the most out of Antonio Brown. Freddie Kitchens had his introductory press conference earlier today. He doesn't like the fact that people are happy with 7, 8, and 1. And I I think that's an unrealistic take by Freddie Kitchens. Look, they were 0-16 the year before. Of course people are happy. Why shouldn't they be happy? What did they expect? To go 16-0 after going 0-16? And they were great down the stretch. I just feel like this is Freddie Kitchens saying the things that he thinks a head coach needs to say. And and a a stereotypical NFL head coach is going to come out and be all blustery about the team going seven, eight, and one. Instead of seeing the positive, he's going to see the negative because that's what that's what good, hard-ass coaches do. And I think Kitchens is going to be overcompensating and trying too hard to be the coach that that he may not be. And look, he he knows. He's, and, and, and here's hoping he's sufficiently self-aware to realize that people are looking at him around the league and saying, how's this guy a head coach? I mean, he was in the right place at the right time. To his credit, he found a way to connect with Baker Mayfield. But that doesn't mean he was the best guy for the job. And I really thought the Browns were in position to make an inspired hire. That they could bring somebody in that would make them instant Super Bowl contenders. I really thought they could do that. And I don't know that Freddie Kitchens is going to make them an instant Super Bowl contender. This is just, in my view, a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it higher. That we like what we've seen. We want to keep this going. We want to play this out. This game hasn't fully played out. We're still turning cards over. We want to keep turning the cards over and see what we have here before we give up on Freddie Kitchens. And you know what? If we stink, if it doesn't work, if he reverts, if it's just unsuccessful, we haven't haven't fired a coach before and hired a new one? We can get rid of Freddie Kitchens after a year or two. I, I think that's ultimately where the Browns are coming from here. They, they finally have someone halfway decent and they don't want to give up on him before they see how good or otherwise he is. We're still waiting for some head coaching decisions to be finalized. Zach Taylor in Cincinnati and Brian Flores in Miami. If those deals ultimately go through, remember it's not over until it's over. Zach Taylor still coaching the Rams quarterbacks. Brian Flores still coaching the Patriots linebackers and serving as de facto defensive coordinator. It's not done until it's done. We saw that last year with Josh McDaniels. And look, it, it goes both ways. The player, the coach rather, can walk away. And the team can walk away. Now, if the team would walk away, 
that, that may be hard to come back from. And if the coach walks away, that's hard to come back from. Look at Josh McDaniels. He only had one team that was seriously interested in this year. But we know it's not done until it's done because the NFL has refused to change the rule, allowing these contracts to be signed and finalized while the coach, the future coach, is still working for his current team. And I think they should change that rule and eliminate that uncertainty and let these deals be done. Until they do, we have to always remember that it's not over. Until it's over. We're not over yet, but I need to I need to share with you a message from our friends at O'Reilly Auto Parts. When your battery loses its power, you lose your ability to get out, get around, and get things done. When it's time to replace your battery, you need to trust the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to help you choose the superstar battery that's an exact fit for your vehicle. Whether it's reliable economy, hardworking premium, or powerful extreme, O'Reilly Auto Parts has a superstar battery you need at a guaranteed low price. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. Check out O'Reilly Auto Parts. They were a longtime sponsor of the PFT Live radio slash TV show. We welcome them to the PFT PM podcast, and you should as well. All right, what else is going on in the National Football League today? I see that Gary Kubiak may end up being the Jaguars' offensive coordinator, although the Vikings are interested in Kubiak as well. Here's what I don't understand. I don't understand how Gary Kubiak has a health condition that prevents him from being a head coach, but allows him to be an offensive coordinator. Because my understanding is the offensive coordinators work just as hard as the head coaches do, right? You don't do banker's hours if you're an offensive coordinator. You just grind in a different way. You're focused on game planning, studying film, self-scouting, Work, 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 work. Get the game plan ready. Lather, rinse, repeat. I think the coordinators should be working as hard as the head coach at all times. But the Vikings are in play. It's not clear what his job would be in Minnesota. Maybe that's the key. Maybe he goes there as quarterback's coach or some sort of consultant on the coaching staff where he can manage his workload. And he's not a guy who has to constantly go. But I I just, that's a tough spot to be in. When everybody else is busting their butts and you're not, you feel like you're you're not carrying your weight. You've got special accommodations. And there's always going to be resentment, even if it's a perfectly legitimate health condition that requires you to leave every day at three and you show up at nine or whatever it may be. The guys, a lot of them younger, a lot of them are going to be very insensitive and they're going to be prone to making jokes and they resent that this guy won a Super Bowl and there's jealousies in all of these operations. I, I, I don't know that that you can be as comfortable as you need to be if you're not able to grind right alongside everyone else. And that's the one thing I just don't understand. How Kubiak can be an assistant coach, but he can't be a head coach. But it looks like he's going to be working for someone other than the Broncos who were reportedly going to hire and be the offensive coordinator. But then ultimately that fell through. And I don't know how that came to be because my understanding was Vic Fangio got the job in Denver because in large part he was going to let John Elway hire whoever he wanted to be on the staff. And I thought Elway wanted Kubiak to be the offensive coordinator. Well, something caused that to not happen. And now what may happen is Jacksonville or Minnesota or who knows who else comes on the scene. Kyler Murray entering the NFL draft, something that was posted by Michael David Smith during the taping of the PFTPM podcast. That's not a surprise to me because today's decision keeps the football door open. It doesn't close the baseball door. It just keeps the football door open. And he's going to have one foot in each boat, I assume for as long as he thinks he can. The problem is, If you've still got one foot in each boat when the draft begins, you're not going to be drafted as high as you could be because no one is going to risk giving up a first-round draft pick for a guy who may say, "Um, he didn't draft me high enough. I'm going to play baseball instead. Sorry. Thanks for playing. And I've seen speculation that maybe somebody will take a flyer on him in round four, five, six, whatever. Here's the thing. Those draft pick rights only last one year. That's how the Raiders got Bo Jackson. After the Buccaneers blew the first overall pick in the draft on Bo Jackson in 86, ignoring his vow to play baseball, I guess assuming it was some sort of a a leverage play, the Raiders the next year made him a seventh round pick. He was intrigued. He decided to play part-time and off he went. 
And I look, I've seen some suggestions that maybe Kyler Murray should should try to do both. You can't be a successful NFL quarterback playing on a part-time basis. You can't. You're going to miss the off-season program. You're going to miss training camp. You're going to miss preseason. Remember, Bo Jackson used to show up in October to play for the Raiders. They were second fiddle. When it's a running back, when it's somebody you can plug right in, that's fine. You can't have a starting quarterback who just shows up whenever. If you're going to be a successful quarterback in the NFL, it is a a 12-month-a-year grind. And look, for whatever reason, maybe Kyler Murray wants to try to maximize his leverage here and play this out, but ultimately... He's going to have to persuade someone that he indeed is all in with football or he's not going to get drafted as high as he can be. If there's any uncertainty, he's just he's not going to be drafted high enough to make him say, I'm taking football over baseball. It's exactly what happened. And I'm going to be writing about this at PFT. Tony Dungy told me the story over the weekend about Charlie Ward. Dennis Green, the late head coach of the Vikings in 1994, desperately wanted to draft Charlie Ward, but he was afraid to give up a first-round pick on Charlie Ward because they weren't sure that he was going to play football. So they didn't use a first-round pick. Nobody drafted him because nobody was sure what Ward was going to do, and he was ended up playing basketball. And it worked out well for Charlie Ward, but if, if he was all in with football, he would have been a first-round pick, at least by the Vikings, if not higher than the Vikings. And they were a playoff team in 93, so it's not like they were sitting with a great draft pick, but... But Dungy said Denny Green would have taken him. But there was that uncertainty about how committed he was to football, and I think that applies directly to Kyler Murray. The uncertainty about Kyler Murray picking football over baseball. And I think he wants to maximize his options. The problem is to get the best option possible in the NFL, he needs to slam the door on baseball. Just noticed this as well. The Chicago Bears apparently aren't happy with Cody Parkey going on the Today Show last week. Didn't go over well with the team's decision makers. That comes from Patrick Finley, the Chicago Sun-Times. Parkey didn't tell Coach Nagy about the plan to appear on NBC after the double doink from the wildcard round. And Nagy on the record, for me, you understand that we always talk about a we and not a me thing, and we always talk as a team. We win as a team, we lose as a team. I didn't necessarily think that was too much of a we thing. Yeah, Parky's done. He's done in Chicago. He was done anyway. One more before we get to, well, two more. There's a lot going on today. A lot going on since I, I fired up the PFTPM podcast machine. Two more to get to before we get on to your questions. First, it's going to be cold in Kansas City this weekend it's going to be cold temperatures at kickoff could range from 10 degrees to zero when the chiefs host the new england patriots and i think that's advantage patriots although patrick mahomes was fine playing in the elements on saturday although it wasn't it wasn't ridiculously cold it was just snowy a little windy but it wasn't ridiculously cold. Now, if you were out in it for an hour and a half rehearsing a pregame show and then out in it for another hour and a half doing a pregame show, it got a little cold. But if you're out there moving around playing football, I think it'd be fine. It was 32 degrees at kickoff for Colts Chiefs on Saturday. It's going to be between 10 and zero on Sunday. I am very glad that we will uh, not be in Kansas City. I, t- I, I talked to my son over the weekend about maybe going to one of the games. I think if we go to one of the games, we're going to New Orleans. I don't think we're going to Kansas City. I enjoyed Kansas City, but not in the range of 10 degrees down to zero outside for three or four hours. One last one. Mike Munchak leaving the Pittsburgh Steelers after all. The Broncos getting both of the guys who were finalists for the head coaching job. Doesn't that make a little awkward thing in Denver? If Munchak and Vic Fangio were the finalists for the job, and Vic Fangio gets the head coaching job, and then Mike Munchak comes in to be the offensive line coach. I think Munchak is mature enough that it's not going to be an issue, but man, just kind of weird. And then you have an offensive coordinator who necessarily wasn't one of the finalists because it was just Munchak and Fangio and You get some mixed signals. You get some mixed messages. This is one of those where you hope the players weren't really paying all that much attention to what went down because it could get awkward. And now in Pittsburgh, it's going to be real awkward because Ben Roethlisberger was on record saying he wants Mike Munchak back. Send letters to Art Rooney II to do whatever it takes to get Mike Munchak back. What's Ben going to think of this? The turmoil continues for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm not saying that Roethlisberger is going to retire. 
I think he's idly thrown that around in the past to kind of get his way. I think he 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 had enough of Todd Haley. And so he talked about retiring. Roethlisberger did one off season right after they lost the FC Championship game a couple of years ago. The following year, Haley's gone. Oh, I'm playing three more years, maybe longer. We'll see what he says about this with Munchak gone. And the Steelers' offensive line used to be horrible. The two times they won the Super Bowl during Roethlisberger's career, the offensive line was not good. Munchak has made the offensive line really good. They're going to have a hard time replacing him on that coaching staff. And uh, another challenge for Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers as they move forward. All right, I'm going to move forward and answer some of your questions. But first, a message from our friends at ondeck.com. Small business owners, if you need help managing cash flow, hiring employees, purchasing inventory, or upgrading your office space, you need to take a look at ondeck.com. That's how you get access to capital. That's how you get the money that you need to fund your operations in lieu of going to a traditional bank that lacks the resources potentially to fully understand what a small business needs. On Deck is 100% committed to small business owners with fast, easy, and tailored financing. You can get your funding in as fast as 24 hours with term loans up to $500,000 and lines of credit up to $100,000, none of which require business collateral. The application process is simple. It will not affect your personal credit. And On Deck has loaned more than $10 billion to over 80,000 small business owners, over the years, if you're a small business owner and you need access to capital, go to ondeck.com PFT right now. As a listener to this podcast, you get a free consultation with one of the ondeck.com U.S.-based loan specialists. Apply online or by phone and get approved in minutes. Go to ondeck.com PFT. That's O-N-D-E-C-K.com PFT for your free consultation now. All right, now it's time for me to answer some of your questions as we roll through this Monday edition of the PFTPM podcast. PFTPM Posse. With the news coming out last week that ABC is potentially making a play for NFL games owned by Fox or CBS, how would you feel if NBC lost Sunday Night Football? Do you think NBC would replace it with another package of NFL games as the PFTPM Posse doesn't think they'll get out of the NFL? Look, these are all things that... Number one, are completely beyond my pay grade, completely above my skills and abilities, and completely within the category of things I can't control. All I know is this. I love working with NBC, and as long as NBC has the NFL, they have a reason to have a relationship with ProFootballTalk.com. If NBC at some point doesn't have the NFL then that's the point where decisions need to be made about whether they want to continue to have a footprint in the space. And frankly, could get even, I mean, Fox doesn't have the NBA, but every time you turn on one of the FS1 shows, what are they talking about? They're talking about the NBA. So just because NBC wouldn't have the NFL doesn't mean NBC can't cater to and cover the sport. It's NBCSports.com, not NBC only the sports we have the rights to, dot com. I mean, Look at the look at the list of all the, the blogs that cover the various sports. We don't have the NBA. There's an NBA blog. We don't have MLB. There's an MLB blog. So well, there's a chance that PFT becomes more valuable to NBC if NBC doesn't have the NFL. I don't know. Now, you know, the Football Night in America would go away. It's not like we're, you can't do a pregame show without the rights to, uh, you know, show the highlights of the games. Or the not pregame, but you know what I mean. Football night in America. There's no, there's no way that happens. But that's all beyond anything I can control, anything I know about, anything that I can do. I just keep showing up every day. And if all else fails, if everything else goes away, I still own the paper to PFT, and that will continue. And that that continued for eight years before we did our deal with NBC. And no matter what happens, anywhere, any place, any time, I'll still have. PFT to fall back on and to carry somewhere else if need be. I don't want that to happen. I hope NBC has the NFL for as long as I'm in this game, and I hope to be in this game for another 20 years at least. But if decisions are made, if somebody else makes the NFL an offer it can't refuse, if the rights get cut up in a way that the the, uh, NBC element is shrunken down to nothing, then so be it. Maybe we get a Sunday afternoon package. Be fine with me. Maybe we get Monday Night Football. I don't know. I don't know how it all is going to play out. But uh, can't imagine NBC not having a presence with the NFL. 
But, uh, you know, I, I also remember back in 94, I couldn't imagine CBS not having a presence with the NFL. And then Fox came in and, and took the Sunday package away. And then NBC was without football for a while. So, you know, look, anything can happen. I'm ready for anything. I know how it goes. And uh, if, if uh, that kind of change happens, then, uh, you know, you make your decisions accordingly. And NBC makes their decisions and, and we move forward. But uh, hopefully it won't come to that. Hopefully NBC keeps the NFL and hopefully they want to keep me around. And uh, hopefully, um, you know, it all continues indefinitely into the future. On PFT Live, you gave Le'Veon Bell the good luck getting paid award because it's been shown once again that productive running backs can be found anywhere at any time. The PFT PM posse has supported Bell sitting out. In hindsight, how does his decision look? If it's now a bad one, what can slash does his agent say? Well, I still think he gets paid. I was just having fun. Because there's still a difference between good running backs who can come in and make an impact and a great running back who can make an impact no matter what, no matter how good the offensive line is, no matter what else is going on for the team. And Le'Veon Bell is that kind of running back. I still think he's going to get paid. And also, keep this in mind, you're not just paying Le'Veon Bell because of what he can do on the football field. You're paying Le'Veon Bell because of what he can do by way of selling PSLs, suites, tickets, jerseys, building excitement. Helping people feel better about your team. There are plenty of business reasons to pay Le'Veon Bell. And I think that's going to happen. And I think the Jets are going to be at the front of the line. PFTP and Posse, is or was there a conflict of interest with Bruce Arians on the NFL's head coaching advisory board to help find up and coming head coaching prospects only for him to take one of 32 highly coveted jobs? Maybe he was working for his own interests rather than promoting the best future head coaches. Well, I don't think they're there to promote the coaches. They're on that panel to try to identify the best candidates for the coming cycle. And it's not just young guys. Mike Munchak was one of the, the names on there, and he's 58 years old. I'm told that Bruce Arians, on multiple occasions, told the NFL that he's done coaching. Now, at some point during the season, once the Browns job was open, he came out and said he would unretire for the Browns job. They didn't kick him off the panel then. Maybe they thought he wasn't a serious candidate for the Browns job and he was just making noise. He didn't want the Packers job. Then the regular season ends and all of a sudden we find out he's interested in the Buccaneers job. So conflict of interest, I don't know. It's not a good look for anyone when one of the members of the panel ends up being a candidate for one of the jobs that he was helping identify candidates to fill. It's just awkward. It's just kind of strange. But I don't think anybody's all that upset about it. I think if anything, moving forward, the league will be far more careful to be sure that the people on that panel truly are done and that they can trust that they're not going to jump in and try to become candidates for the jobs that they're helping identify candidates for. But but it really hasn't become a thing in the media. Most people, I don't know, they're, they're not sensitive to the issue. They don't care. There's plenty of other things going on. But uh, I doubt that it came up during his introductory press conference. I, there's so many other questions to ask and so many other topics to, to delve into. This is kind of a, an inside baseball, weird little business issue. And it is strange, but it's not significant enough, I think, to rise above the noise. And for that reason, Bruce Arians was able to pull it off. PFTP and Posse, could Kyler Murray go play spring ball, then declare for the supplemental draft, both playing out playing out both options for, well, he's declared, it doesn't matter. He's entered the draft. So supplemental draft, gone. He is now officially in the draft, and uh, he's either going to be drafted or he's not going to be drafted. And if he's not drafted, he becomes a free agent, and he can sign with anyone anytime he wants after that. If he is drafted, whoever drafts him holds his rights until next year's draft. And again, I don't think he gets drafted as high as he would like to be drafted until he says and makes it clear in a convincing way that he's not going to play baseball, that he's all in with football. At Gong Show West, we are... Truly spoiled by your no days off work ethic, especially during nearly all the major holidays. Did your devotion to your clients similarly motivate you to put in long, sometimes grueling hours when you were practicing law? Yes. Yes. When you're doing that, you have other people who are actually relying upon your ability to do what you need to do. And also, I practiced alone for the last nine years that I practiced. So, you know, you can't shut down. Now, I don't think I worked every single day when I was practicing law. I would try to take a day off from time to time. But I decided December 31, 2003 or thereabouts because I'm not big on on New Year's resolutions. I, I don't... I, there's enough things out there to shame us. There's enough things to make us feel inadequate. Why do we want to create 
our own little internal self-shaming mechanism. Like, here's my New Year's resolution. Moving forward, I'm going to do these things. And if I don't, I'm going to feel horribly inadequate that I can't even meet my own reduced standards. I don't like that. I don't want to start the new year with a list of stuff to feel bad about. So I rarely ever do New Year's resolutions. Stupid. On or about December 31, 2003, my New Year's resolution was, if I'm ever going to make this thing into what it can be, I need to work on it every single day. And 15 years later, I have. 15 straight years. Every single day. I've done something to advance the interests of the business. Worked, written stories, traveled. I don't think there was ever a day. I think that one time in early 2010, Super Bowl 44 in Miami. That was before I would fly. My wife and I drove down to Miami. We did it in two days. Coming back, we left Miami 7 a.m. the morning after the Super Bowl. I think if I recall correctly, I posted a story on PFT so I could say I got my one story in for the day and then drove 18 hours in one day to beat a snowstorm home. So even if I didn't get a story that day, I worked 18 hours driving a vehicle from South Florida all the way back to West Virginia because the storm was coming. That was a long day too. That was a long, long day. Probably one of the longest days I've ever had working on PFT. Just a day that wasn't a lot of sitting and typing and talking and doing the other things that we now do. So, I mean, I appreciate that that you guys are there and I understand that, you know, this is part of your recreation. And we, and, and I just, I, I enjoy it so much. You know, I, I could do radio every single day. I don't need a day off. They, they want to give me days off. Oh, it's Thanksgiving. Uh, don't do your radio show. Well, why, why would I not do my radio show? It's easy. You talk. You talk for 10 minutes and then you don't talk for five. And then you talk for 12 minutes and you don't talk for five. And then you talk for another 12 minutes and you don't talk for two. I have that radio clock imprinted on my brain. I could do it all day long. I mean, at some point I would say enough. I've done it for six straight hours before. It's no big deal. And and I... I I don't, I don't want to make this about anybody else. I just don't like it when people who have like four or five, six hour radio shows act like they're saving the world. All you're doing is sitting and talking. And once you've gotten to the point where you've reached your maximum level of ability, and I'm probably there, I don't know that I'm going to get any better at this. I don't know how good I am at it, but I don't know if I'm going to get any better at it in the coming years, but I like it. It's easy. I do it. And I know that for the people out there, it's something that helps you get through your day. It's help, something that helps you get through your commute, through your workout, through whatever. So there's a, there's a hell of a lot harder things that I could be doing for a living. It makes it a lot easier to work every day when it never really feels like you are working. Next question, NFL leads. Are shorter players still overlooked and or underrated by NFL teams outside of slot receiver? Treat Cohen, Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson, and Breeze are some of the shortest but best players currently. I think what happens is in the run-up to the draft, people get so caught up in the tangibles. And they get leery of anyone who is lacking in those areas. Because if you take a chance on a guy who's too short and he's a bust, well, why was he a bust? Well, he's too short. Well, we drafted him. Why did we draft him if he's too short? Well, the short guys have played well. Yeah, but you said he's too short. So I think that's part of it. Guy that runs the 40 too slow. If, if you aren't at the highest levels in all of the things that they measure, then what happens is... If you draft a guy and he doesn't pan out, you run the risk that someone is going to call you out internally for having faith in a guy who was too short, who was too slow, who wasn't strong enough, didn't have enough reps in the 225-pound bench, didn't jump high enough straight up, didn't jump far enough in a straight line, whatever the case may be. That's why they get so caught up in that. Ultimately, none of it matters. What matters is can you play football? Now, different positions, height is, you know, more important, offensive, defensive line, you need to be, you know, pretty big and pretty strong. But for running back, I mean, quarterback, look, how many quarterbacks can see over those giant oak trees that are their offensive linemen anyway? If you ever have one of those guys walk by you in full gear, they, they are giants. Unless you are a giant too, you're going to have a hard time seeing over them. You got to see through them. You got to see in the gaps between them. 
And I think, look, I've, I've been told Kyler Murray, if he goes all in with football, he'll be a first-round pick and he'll be a great player. We'll see. At the Real Forno, did Nick Foles do enough to convince the Eagles to move Carson Wentz or did he need to beat the Saints yesterday? I don't know that they would have moved Carson Wentz even if he beat the Saints because the excuse would have been, well, when Carson Wentz played, then we were we were ravaged by injuries. and you know, It's not Carson Wentz's fault we got beat 48-7 to and it's not Nick Foles' uh, credit that we that we somehow beat the Saints. So... It sounds like the Eagles are going to stick with Wentz. But but here's the thing. If you're trying to set it up so that you can try to trade Nick Foles and you're waiting for people to call you about Nick Foles, maybe the people who call will be asking about Carson Wentz. And maybe somebody makes you an offer you can't refuse for Carson Wentz. Wouldn't Carson Wentz look good in black and gold? If the Steelers have gotten to the point where they've had enough of Ben Roethlisberger, and maybe they have, maybe they're getting there, Roethlisberger some believe is the root of this Antonio Brown problem. Maybe they've had enough of Roethlisberger. I'm just throwing this out. I I doubt that they would get to that point because Roethlisberger is really good and he's got some years left and I don't know that they want to see Roethlisberger playing for the Bengals. Wouldn't that be something? But I don't know. Does somebody call the Eagles and have a conversation about Carson Wentz? Hey, Jeff, it's Art. I got Antonio Brown here. How about Antonio Brown for Carson Wentz? I think the Steelers would have to throw something onto that. But what if that's the starting point? Straight up, Antonio Brown for Carson Wentz. The Eagles would want more. Antonio Brown plus something, but I don't know. Boy, that would that would make for an interesting offseason. See, I root for that kind of stuff in the offseason. I want drama. I want controversy. And and now that that doesn't mean that I'm going to push angles that I think are false. I really do think the Eagles need to have a conversation about Foles versus Wentz. So many people just blindly assume Wentz is going to be fine physically when the last two Decembers he hasn't been. And Foles, the team is better when he plays. Wentz is the better quarterback, but the team is better when Foles plays. And and I think the reality is, whether they are shopping Wentz or not, they're going to get an offer for Wentz. And don't we say this all the time? Every player is tradable. Every player has a price. The question is, how high is the price? Is it high enough to get you to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, we'd like to keep this guy, but screw that. We're taking three first-round picks if we can get him. At the Real Forno, what position on the Vikings staff would Gary Kubiak be the best fit? I mean, I, I, I don't know. They're keeping Kevin Stefanski as offensive coordinator. Is he a consultant? Is he a quarterback's coach? I don't know. I really don't know. Are they going to switch to the zone blocking? Is he going to come in and be the offensive line coach? Are they going to have a zone running game? They're still concerned about the running game. Recline a QB, you compare adding a new player midseason to changing a tire on a moving car, which is often how it works. However, at times, like with Amari Cooper, the Cowboys, it worked quickly. Are there traits we can look for to help us guesstimate if a trade is more or less likely to work ASAP? No, there isn't. It either happens or it doesn't. Now, part of it is, how much are you willing to simplify your approach to help the guy get up to speed? But no, it, it, it happens or it doesn't. Dustin Miller, are you hearing any rumbling about how the competition committee is going to ruin the NFL this offseason? Well, either ruin or attempted ruin. I haven't heard anything yet. I'd like to think that they'll be addressing some of the, the rules that need to be changed, like the one we saw in the Eagles-Bears game eight days ago, but, but I just don't know. Lewis M. Martin, if Wentz is traded, could we see a Herschel Walker-style trade to get him to a team? I mean, it would, it would, look, here's the thing. If somebody shows up offering a Herschel, Herschel Walker type of a package, how how can the Eagles say no to that when you have Foles? If you had no other quarterback, it'd be different. You have Foles. What is it worth to you to give up Wentz? What kind of haul would you want? I mean, Sam Bradford was due to be their starter 2016. Vikings lose Teddy Bridgewater to a knee injury. They offer a one and a four for Sam Bradford. See you later, Sam Bradford. We're going with Carson Wentz. At Pembroke Raider, as of this moment, what is the best argument to be made that the Chiefs beat the Patriots? Home field? No, no. I I think it's the defense really stepped up this past week. One of the things Chris Sims and I were talking about today on PFT Live, the idea that when you have the bye week, in addition to the rest and the extra preparation, you get extra time to really identify your weaknesses and, and needle the guys who are the heart of the weakness. I can imagine that the Chiefs defensive linemen heard all week about this great Colts offensive line. And, oh, they're just going to push you guys around. And, oh, look, they handled, if they handle J.J. Watt, they can handle you, Justin Houston. Hey, Chris Jones, you mean to tell me that you think you can be successful against that line when Jadavian Clowney couldn't do anything? Are you kidding me? 
You know, those little, those little, and everyone is motivated differently. And good coaches figure out what it takes to get a guy's goat and to get him going. That's a Bill Parcells special. Different relationship with every guy in the locker room. Jimmy Johnson used to do that too. You identify who this guy is, you size him up, and you know what it takes to press his buttons. And with that extra time, I bet there were plenty of buttons being pressed on that Chiefs defense. And if they can keep it going, what do we always say about Tom Brady? Pressure up the middle. You get him up the middle, you hit him up the middle, and you disrupt him, and you have him looking down at the rush instead of looking down the field. That's going to be the key. And can the secondary squat quickly enough on the routes, those underneath routes, and disrupt Julian Edelman? Nine catches for 151 against the Chargers on Sunday. That's what we're going to come down to. And I, I really love... Look, this is one of those where... I love the Chiefs. I'd love to see them in the Super Bowl. I'm probably going to pick the Patriots. Then I then I win either way. I either get the team I'd like to see in the Super Bowl, or I get to say I was right, because I think the Patriots are going to win. I hate to say it, but I think they got one more in them. Maybe the Chiefs will take over from this point forward, but I think the Patriots have one more in them. Playoff cap. How will Eric Reed's free agency contract negotiations play out? I, I, I'm not even thinking about that right now. and I, I There's a lot of issues with Eric Reed that need to be that need to be resolved and uh, the PED testing and the collusion grievance. And, and I, I think the Panthers would like to keep him, but uh, that's down the road. Reverend Markworth, does Mike McCarthy need to take a coordinator job to rehab his image? If he ever wants to be a head coach again, I don't know that that'll help. I look, there are some in this business who insist that McCarthy will be a top head coaching candidate next year. And sometimes I think that there's a certain amount of politics that goes on in the media where you want to suck up just the right way to as many coaches as possible. So you have access. I look at seven jobs other than the Packers job. And obviously McCarthy wasn't getting that job, but I see that there were seven jobs that were available this year and nobody was even remotely seriously interested in McCarthy, the jets. That was it. The Browns didn't want, I think the Browns not, asking him to interview is the biggest red flag you could have because there's so many of those former Green Bay people in the front office and I've heard some stuff suggesting that they just they didn't want McCarthy and I don't know does he have to be an offensive coordinator again a lot of concerns about his offense being too basic being too rigid being too simplistic a lot of concerns along those lines Fittison Kane, does Andrew Luck's performance on Saturday and Chris Ballard's recent comments on not trading Jacoby Brissett give any doubt to Luck's arm health going forward? No, I, I don't know. I think they're keeping Jacoby Brissett around because they, they like him and they think he's a good number two if Luck would get injured. I, I just think Luck had a bad day. He was too good all year long. I And trust me, I'd, I'd love to be at the front of that line. Oh, oh, is Andrew Luck is he having problems with outpatient shoulder surgery coming up? Oh, is he going to be, you know... I'm not going to make storylines out of nothing, though. I think that it's too early to think there's anything up with Andrew Luck. I think they're keeping Jacoby Brissett. They know what his value is. And uh, he's a great insurance policy to have around in the event that Andrew Luck does get injured. On tour forever. Any chance Jerry Jones reverses course and fires Jason Garrett instead of extending him? Hashtag puppet life. Look, anything can happen. 12 years ago. The then San Diego Chargers, 14-2, and two, the number one seed in the AFC. They lose in heartbreaking fashion to the Patriots when Marlon McCree intercepts a pass at a time when the Chargers are up eight with about eight minutes to go in the game. And after the interception, as he tries to run with it, he fumbles it. And the Patriots get it back. The Patriots go on to win the game. Marty Schottenheimer got fired a couple of weeks after that. I think with Jerry Jones, and this is the reality of having an individual owner on a team. Any day he can roll out of bed and he can say, yeah, you know what? I'm firing everybody. Or I'm firing this guy. I'm firing that guy. That guy looked at me funny. Get rid of him. I don't like your shoes. Get out of here. So, yeah. And the thing that bothered me, the story about the Rams offense studying the Cowboys defensive line and figuring out that there were tells in their alignments and exploiting that, I'd be very unhappy with Jason Garrett. If I was Jerry Jones, because it's on the head coach to make sure those kinds of things don't happen. 
It's a level of discipline in how you scout yourself, not letting these tells, these tendencies, these clues creep into the film. You need to have, and these are low-level people who do this, but you need to have the right people, quality control coaches. Somebody's job is to constantly study our own film and see what we're doing that others may notice so we can stop doing it before they figure it out or take it next level. We can do that thing that is showing a certain type of tendency and we can do something else out of that look at a time when they think that when we come out in that alignment, it means X, it ultimately means Y. That's when you are in full control of everything you show, of everything you do. When you spot your own tendencies and you engineer them deliberately and specifically so you are using them to set up something completely different than what you've done out of that look in the past. And that's what fascinates me. That's where I would love to be a coach. I don't know that I'd want to deal with, you know, the finer points of individualized technique. I'd want to dig into the film and I'd want to crack that code. I would want to crack our own code. I would want to crack the other team's code because you constantly probe and you probe and you probe and you look for patterns. And when you find that one thing that they're doing or you find that one thing you're doing, that's got to be so rewarding. That's the way individuals in the coaching office end up influencing wins and losses in ways that you, you never know. It's not obvious. It looks like the players did it. The reality is the coaches did it. The coaches found it and the coaches incorporated it and got the most out of it. On tour forever. Why has no one mentioned how poorly Patrick Mahomes played after getting hit in the knee on Saturday? He looked completely immobile for the most part. And I could see the chiefs putting him on their injury report for this week. That's one of the things I'm watching Wednesday. Is he limited in practice? Does he practice? Is there a knee problem? I didn't think his mobility was affected. I didn't think he was dramatically worse after that, but I, I, it was definitely enough of a scare. And I remember seeing him sitting on the bench and I think he was trying to play it off like everything's fine. A trainer came over and they, they, they cut away from it at that time. But I, I, I just, I, I'm concerned about did the knee swell? Is there a problem? And there's no reason for anyone to tell us right now that there is an issue. Sean Alvishar, what about Mike Tomlin and Antonio Brown to the Saints for Sean Payton and Michael Thomas? Come on. Come on. That's not happening. Matt Yvonne, is Kyler Murray an even bigger stretch for a first-round pick in the NFL draft given his height and teams needing a franchise quarterback? From my guess, quarterback needed teams include Jacksonville, perhaps Denver or Miami, perhaps not even a first-rounder, right? No, look, I mean, here's the bottom line. He can be a first-round pick if he goes all in. Because here's the thing. I was trying to identify destinations for Nick Foles earlier today, and I think I narrowed it down to the Dolphins, the Bengals maybe, the Jaguars, the Raiders maybe, the Broncos, the Giants, Washington. I think that was it. Seven. And that's a veteran, a guy who's going to turn 30 next week walking through the door. For a rookie, you have to consider the teams that have the older quarterbacks. Patriots, Saints, Steelers. But could you imagine going from Ben Roethlisberger to Kyler Murray? But the teams that are thinking about cycling in a young guy who would eventually take over the Giants. I think the Giants fall into both categories here. But I, I, I think that the universe is a little bit bigger for the guys who are the great potential first round draft picks at quarterback. And even with the height issues, I think Murray would be a first round pick. Matt Yvonne, how does the dog greet you after returning from Kansas City on the weekend? Does she acknowledge your existence or is Mrs. Florio still the unabated number one? Oh, no, she was very happy to see me. Very happy to see me. I'd been gone for three days. She knows. Now, look, sometimes it doesn't last very long. In the mornings, it used to be in the mornings when I'd see her for the first time, she'd go nuts for a good 30 seconds. Now, it's, you know, maybe 10 or 15 seconds and then, wait a minute, I lost track of mommy. Where's mommy? I got to go find mommy. She's always concerned about whether or not Jill's going to, like, take off, like, go upstairs or you know, leave or whatever. For me, she doesn't care. I can walk away. She doesn't care. But yeah, it was, she was very, very, she went nuts. I mean, and she's a, you know, she's a good 60, 65 pounds. She was all over me when I got home. It makes it very nice. When you're away for a couple of days, it makes it very nice to come home. Brian, I am, does Kitchens have control of his staff? Are these recent hirings his or Dorsey's? I think they're Dorsey's. I think they're Dorsey's. I think that's one of the reasons Kitchens got the job. I think Dorsey's, Dorsey hired Todd Haley last year. 
Hugh Jackson didn't. And I think Dorsey hired Todd Monken to be offensive coordinator under Kitchens. Nets Jets fan is Kansas City barbecue really the greatest barbecue? I I, I was there a couple nights. We we stayed close to the hotel. Uh, just because of the weather and everything, there's a place we went to the first night. They had like this this hog uh, hog wing where it was, it was it was like a big giant chicken wing the way that you ate it. And oh my god, it was good. And uh, they actually had for our trailer where we were set up just outside the stadium, they had really good brisket, they had really good uh, chicken, a really good barbecue sauce, and it was one of those where every once in a while I find myself eating something where I don't get full. Like it's so good. That, that whatever that is, that connection from your brain to your stomach, it doesn't, it's like your stomach's like, nah, that's all right. Keep filling stuff up down here. This is good. No, we're not full. Don't, don't, don't. Let's interrupt that signal to the brain that you're full. Just keep, keep, keep loading it up. That's how good it was. All right. What else do we have? Paul PJ5, all other leagues give their awards after the championship game series. Would you prefer the NFL to do the awards after the Super Bowl or keep it as it is? I want them to do the awards well before the Super Bowl because by the time we get to the night before the Super Bowl, nobody cares anymore. The thing is, because of the Super Bowl, that attracts everyone to town anyway. They're there for a variety of reasons, so they go to the event. Yeah, I don't know. Would it make sense to do everything? I just, I don't care. I think after the Super Bowl, nobody cares anymore. And when would you do it? I think it would be better to do it. I, I, I don't know. I, I want to know the winners of these awards well before we find out. By the time we find out, I really don't care anymore. Sean Alvashire, should the Raiders explore playing in Hawaii next season? Well, they're looking at every place else. You may as well. Why not? I don't think they would, but they're talking about London. They're talking about Tucson. Tucson, what the hell? I think it's going to come down to the San Francisco Giants baseball park or the San Francisco 49ers football stadium. It's going to be one of those two. I don't think they're staying in Oakland. Oakland is suing them. I think it's going to be San Francisco proper or Santa Clara. Sergio D, how does the NFL justify having the same 15-yard and automatic first down penalty for the Byron Jones slight hit to the face mask as an egregious roughing the passer hit? Well, uh, look, I... uh, Remember they got rid of the, the the two levels of face masks several years back. It's either 15 yards or it's nothing. It's all part of the effort to make the game safer. But uh, you know these defensive players they have to be in control of their of their bodies, of their faculties, of their of their overall efforts to try to do what they're trying to do to get the opposing player on the ground. Let's see what else we have. I got I got to get I got to get this uh, wrapped up. We've been going for an hour. On tour forever, did you get frostbite being out on the Arrowhead turf before Sunday's game? At one point during rehearsal, I was getting a little concerned. My finger was feeling a little weird. We had gloves on. We had better gloves for the real show. We were out there for about an hour and a half, maybe a little bit less for rehearsal, and it was snowing a lot harder. And then we had uh, an hour and a half out there during the actual show. We had a little bit, about 45 minute break in between. But, you know, it reminded me of the days when I delivered newspapers. I delivered newspapers a good year and a half, two years, which seems like, you know, 20 years when you're a kid. But I was out there in all the elements, out there for two hours at a time. One day it took me three hours. That's how snowy it was. But uh, kind of reminded me of those days. It was fun. It was fun. It, it was it was one of those moments where I'll always remember it. It's temporary. Being cold is temporary. Being in the wind. And we had, like, there were some minor little technical things that rarely happened because of the weather. Um, at one point we couldn't hear anything else that was going on in the show and they just had to tell us manually go 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 talk 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 uh but uh yeah the crew worked so hard and it was sloppy it was messy and those guys were busting their asses to make sure everything worked i mean they and that you know they, they take it all very seriously and you don't have a lot of time in the breaks it's fun to watch it all happen but uh, those guys were out in it all day long they had to be miserably cold but but it was fun and, you know, we'll probably never be in circumstances like that again. Or if, if we are, it's not going to be anytime soon. And I really enjoyed it, especially now that it's over. Now that it's over and I'm home and I'm warm, I can say that was a great, great, great afternoon. During it, yeah, there were times I was like, oh my gosh. All right, a couple more and then we'll, we'll move on. Let's see. Art Vandelay, who lasts longer, Freddie Kitchens or Cliff Kingsbury? Probably Kitchens, but it's a toss-up. I don't know. That's a good question. I could I could see either guy 
I'm going to say probably Kitchens. But, you know, that's a tough division. And I, I just, 35 and 40 at Texas Tech, I don't understand it. And I think he gets it. I don't think he's going to be mad that people are saying that. This is the first time we've had a college coach who wasn't dominant and who wasn't in the pipeline for multiple years. Like, hey, this guy's destined to be an NFL coach. I mean, I, nobody even thought of Cliff Kingsbury as a potential NFL head coach, maybe a coordinator. But I, I mean, he was in Texas Tech. West Virginia got the better of him every year. Make Dana Horgerson a head coach if that's the case. All right, a couple more. Mike likes dirt. If Tom Brady retires, does Bill Belichick stay and prove he can do it without number 12 in New England or move on and try to win a Super Bowl with a second franchise as a head coach, breaking yet another record? Hashtag in Bill we trust. Mike likes dirt predicts I'm going to say it's going to depend on what jobs are available. There's, there's a theory out there that what Belichick is going to do is maybe coach a few more years and then move into a VP of football operations type of a role, maybe getting a slice of ownership of a team, not the Patriots, someone else. I don't know who, but there's a there's a hypothesis out there, not quite a theory, that that's what he'll do next. Nobody knows what he's going to do next. He's not going to tell anybody. If he knew what he was going to do next, he's not going to, well, who's he going to tell? Well, you know, I'm thinking about uh, getting out of coaching and just uh, running a football operation and maybe, you know, the money's, uh, get, get me uh, 2% of the team and uh, that's what I'm going to do. And I don't know that he could, he could really enjoy that. He'd probably want to talk to Parcells, Tom Coughlin about that because that's what they did. Would you really be happy? Well, he's never happy. Would you really be satisfied sitting up in the ownership? You know, wearing, whenever he wears a suit, it's, it's like it never really fits him right. You know that look? Like, and I'm not sure he's really comfortable in the suit, but could you see him sitting up there in a suit the whole, every game and, and, and just going nuts about whatever it is that's going on down below on the field? I, look, Tom Coughlin can barely help himself, and there was speculation he was going to coach the Jaguars for 2019 and beyond. I just, I, I don't know. I don't see Bill Belichick retiring, though. Football's been his life. Ever since his dad was a scout for the Naval Academy, and he was there at his knee learning the game. Why would you stop? That's, like, why am I going to stop? I mean, I'm, it's different for me. I don't have that same pressure and stress every year because I don't have to worry about, you know, wins and losses. But when it's what you do, when it's who you are, when it's what you love, why would you stop? Don't they always say that what you should do is if you had all the money that you needed and you could do anything you wanted, what would you do? Well, that's what you should do, right? And that can be impractical because sitting around playing video games all day may not be the the answer, you know, to, to actually pay the bills. But Belichick's doing what he wants to do. Why would you stop? That's who he is. So I'm, I'd be surprised if he retires anytime soon. And I, I don't... Here's the problem. When, when that stuff came up last year about the dysfunction in New England and and I think it was Gary Myers threw that dart out there that he was eyeing the Giants job or something like that Belichick's not going to leave New England because it's going to take him five years to get another team up to the point where he's gotten the Patriots from all the things you need to be successful the infrastructure right the systems the processes he's got everything he needs to be successful as a coach in New England and if you go somewhere else, it's going to take too much time to get that team to where he has the Patriots from the standpoint of having everything he needs to be as successful as he wants to be. All right, let's see what else we have here. Niner season. Is there real smoke with that Beckham 49ers tidbit you dropped on PFT Live last Friday? Yes, I wouldn't drop it if there wasn't smoke. The 49ers are believed to be potentially interested in Odell Beckham Jr. Now, the Giants say they're not trading him, but that's the best trade leverage. Screw it, we're not trading him. We'll, we'll give you a, a first-round pick. No, we're not trading him. Well, a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick. No, we're not trading him. Uh, first-round pick and a third-round pick. No, we're not trading him. It's a lot easier to negotiate when you have that position of strength. And then, when they finally get to the number that you're happy with, oh, okay, maybe we'll trade him. And one last one from Ross Irwin 11. Delete this account. Thank you, Ross Irwin 11. I Look, can't you come up with something more creative? Delete your account. Isn't that like from five years ago? Didn't Hillary Clinton use that on Donald Trump at one point? Isn't that the point that it jumps the shark? When, when any politician, because, you know, politicians are notoriously unhip, pretending to be hip. 
Anytime a politician would do something aimed at being hip or edgy, that ultimately and immediately makes the thing that otherwise was hip or edgy not hip or edgy. So the moment she typed, delete your account to Trump, that's when everyone should have stopped using it. I mean, at least apply. Give me something. Tell me to go F myself. I mean, give me something. That's lazy. Delete your account. All right, we're going to delete the show, at least until tomorrow. Tomorrow, we are expected to be joined by. Now, I can't make any promises, but but they are tentatively scheduled. Kenny Galladay, the Lions receiver. Chris Carson, the Seahawks running back. And the hero, one of the heroes, but a significant contributor to the NFC finalist, Los Angeles Rams, the great C.J. Anderson, due to join us tomorrow on the PFTPM podcast. So a lot less of me talking tomorrow, a lot more of others talking, which necessarily means right out of the gates, it should be a better edition of the PFTPM podcast. Thanks as always for your support. Please support our sponsors on deck.com and O'Reilly Auto Parts. We'll do this again on Tuesday. Have a great day. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk.